I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, she is not just the most powerful woman in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she is the most powerful hero. And I have a review of Captain Marvel. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I took a trip in the Wayback Machine to watch a movie everyone's already seen. I'll have a 15-year-old late review. All right, can't wait for that. Right on, Jeff. And it's a family-friendly week on home video. We'll tell you what's new. First, it's the news. From the couch. God, it seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. A new trailer debuted this week for Avengers Endgame, setting the stage for the culmination of everything the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been building towards since 2008 when Iron Man debuted. The trailer is, thankfully, not spoilery, and in fact, it manages to leave even more questions than answers. For example, you might think, who's this woman? The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. Took me a little bit to figure that out. It's Peggy Carter, aka Agent Carter, founding member of Shield and the love of Captain America's life. She said that to him on her deathbed back in the Winter Soldier. Interesting they chose those words. Sometimes we have to go back and start over because they're gonna have to do just that. As you recall, Avengers and Infinity War ended with half the universe turning to dust. I saw all these people die. The trailer also reveals there will be a time jump in this film since Black Widow's hair is blonde in parts of the trailer, as it was in Infinity War, and in other parts it's longer and red. Then we get a shot of them all wearing some fancy new suits. Curious to see what kind of tech is in those suits. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Then, a meeting between two of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe, the God of Thunder Thor, and the cosmic energy-fueled Captain Marvel. I like this one. (laughs) He called for his axe, Stormbreaker, and it went right past her head, and she didn't even flinch. No, nothing bothers her, I guess. So clearly she lives through the end of uh, Captain Marvel, the movie. Yes. She's in the trailer for this. I, I don't like how coy they're being about everything. Like, as if we think that uh, Star-Lord and Spider-Man are actually dead. Yeah. Like, and Black Panther. Yeah. So I think they'll, if the, anyone's dead, it's these people that we're seeing in the trailer. It's the old switcheroo or something like that. Because aren't a bunch of these guys 
like this is the last one for Tony Stark, right? He's yeah. not doing more movies, is he? Well, as far as I know, yeah. Like I think the 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 the, the idea was that this would be the end of the line for the likes of Captain America, yeah. Iron Man, maybe Thor, the Hulk. Uh, yeah, maybe the Hulk, and then Captain Marvel. I think I believe Brie Larson signed something like a seven movie deal. Holy smokes! So I think Captain Marvel was brought in late because she's kind of kicking off the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hope there's more Doctor Strange too. I think there is a planned sequel for Doctor cool. Strange, so. and I'll be upset if. This Avengers Endgame, if all those people that disappeared are missing until like the last two minutes, yeah, that would really bother me. So, but it'd be, I'm, I'm more excited now than I was before this trailer came out to see this movie, and it's only like it's just over a month away already. I know that's fast. April 26th, can't wait. All right, uh, moving on to something else. Do we know that they're making a Sesame Street movie? Me want cookie. <laughs> oh, they are. But Warner Brothers says it'll hit theaters January 15th, 20. 21. They also mentioned that it's live action, which, I mean, yeah, they're puppets, but they're not animated, and there's often people around. Jim Henson launched the PBS Children's Show back in 1969 with Big Bird, Bert and Ernie, Grover, Oscar the Cookie Monster. Elmo didn't come till later. He wasn't there when I was a kid watching in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, now that I think of it, the show does sometimes have animation. It'd be great if they could work this into the movie. That trippy cartoon would be awesome on the big screen. Yes. So, good idea overall, do you think? A Sesame Street movie? Like, will kids be climbing for this? Would you would you spend money to take your kid to this when they can watch it? Isn't it like a free hour every single day still? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird because, I mean, they, they always made those Muppet movies, and That's I think true. those did very well with yeah. the kids, but the Muppet show was a weekly show. Yeah. I think you could probably watch it daily in reruns, but generally it was a weekly show where Sesame Street was on twice a day, depending on what channel you're watching, because yeah. it was on PBS and CBC. I know. And I think were, those were actually different versions, weren't they? There were. There would be longer. I swear at times there was like a 90-minute version of it. I can't And it just have all weird, you know, and then there'd be like this seven-minute thing that had nothing to do with the puppets or whatever. It'd be like a documentary just in the middle of Sesame Street or something. That must have been, maybe that was... A CBC import or whatever that's just sliced and diced and chopped that show into whatever they felt like doing that week. I don't know. Uh, I, I, it'll be interesting. Warner Brothers also announced that four months after that Sesame Street movie, on April 16th, 2021, there'll be a Tom and Jerry movie. What? A hybrid of live action and animation. Oh, boy. Which is kind of maybe along the lines of what that Garfield, those Garfield movies look like or something. Mm, I don't, I sort of don't get this one. Like, do kids still watch Tom and Jerry? I loved it, but I never hear kids talking about it. Why don't they make like a like a Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig or something that the kids are actually into? Maybe they have made a Paw Patrol. I I, I will admit, I because I don't have kids, I yeah. am woefully inept when it comes to knowing what is going on with the children's programming. These we days. would have heard if a Paw Patrol movie had been out there though, because that would have been a big big deal. Yeah. So, but Tom and Jerry, uh, I mean, yeah, I think you and I will. I don't know if I go to the theater to watch it, but I I, I look forward to seeing the trailer at least. That reminds me, I still haven't seen that Peanuts movie. Oh, really? That looked really cool. I'm yeah. kind of mad that I didn't go see it because it looked like it would have been fun and fun in 3D. So, ugh, I got to get go. on that. So, these two coming out 2021. A uh, new trailer came out this week for something coming out a little sooner. It's the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron romantic comedy called Long Shot. Secretary of State Charlotte Field of the United States of America. So, 
are you like dating the Prime Minister of Canada? No. 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 It's weird. I know this great little place not too far from here. Ooh. It's called Mini Bar, and it's in my room. You asked. No, hey, I'm not. I, I've hooked up with my fair share of world leaders too. Del Castro once. You thought his beard was big. Seth Rogen plays a guy that looks like Seth Rogen. He's a freelance reporter. Theron plays the Secretary of State for the U.S. Turns out she used to babysit him years ago, so she invites him to be embedded with her on some international business trips. And then they fall in love, and hijinks ensue. film also stars Bob Odenkirk, who plays President. Alexander Skarsgård, as we heard there uh, in the clip, I think is the Prime Minister of Canada. Andy Serkis, Randall Park, O'Shea Jackson Jr., June Diane Raphael, and Ravi Patel. The optics of you and Fred would destroy your entire career. It's pretty woman, but she's Richard Gere and you're Julia Roberts. You got destiny on your side. Comes out May 3rd. Obviously, the hook is that Rogan is, you know, punching above his weight, uh, getting a girl like Charlize Theron to fall in love with him. The question is, is it too much? Because, I mean, come on, she's Charlize Theron. Well, he's already uh, hooked up with Catherine Heigl, so to speak, and That's true. knocked up. And he was... Not as slender and as good-looking a dude back then either. Yeah, he was kind of, uh, I mean, he was very, very uncleansed in that film. So he, I seem to recall his belly sticking out of his shirt. And <laughs> yeah, he was a really burly-looking guy in that. So, But he still managed to punch above his weight class because he, he was rolling the dice on the dance floor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. i got to watch that one again. That's a good movie. Um, everyone involved in this movie is pretty great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen a really good Seth Rogen movie in a while. Uh, it's getting rave reviews, that, uh, especially come, it uh, debuted at South by Southwest Festival last week. Everyone there seemed to love it. I think Charlize Theron is underrated. She keeps popping up in movies that I just love. She was in Tully last year. Uh, of course, I loved her in Fate of the Furious yep. and Mad Max Fury Road. She like owned that movie, even though she's not Mad Max. So, I don't know. Good times for Charlize. And she all- was great in that Atomic Blonde. The movie was not all that great, but, but she, she was great. Yeah, she's always great. And I think they're making another one, so hopefully this story is better in that. Finally, I saw a trailer for something super bizarre this week. Just had to share it. Something involving the Dark Knight. It all happened so fast. We have to stop them, Batman. Whatever they are, they're going to regret stepping foot in Gotham. Yes, it's a trailer for a Batman movie, but not a major release. It's for a new cartoon movie, and Batman will have some unusual visitors. Red rumors about a supernatural bat creature in Gotham, but I assumed it was an urban legend. Ninja Turtles. That's right, it's Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Turtles have invaded Gotham City to take on the Shredder and the Foot Clan. There's also a host of Batman bad guys, including Ross Al Ghul, the Joker, Penguin, Bane, Harley Quinn, etc. The Warner Brothers Animation Nickelodeon production debuts on digital and Blu-ray slash DVD on March 31st. We're not your enemy. This is still my city. If they're ready for a fight, we bring them a freaking fight. You are no match for me. Let's end this. 
kind of want to see this. I, I kind of do, too. If I have to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I much prefer something totally animated. Well, and the, the cool thing about the way the turtles look in this is they actually look more like they did in the original comics. Oh. Their, their appearance looks like it's been inspired by that, where their eyes are, are they're just completely white. Uh, and they, they just look angrier. More yeah, they look... Tough. I mean, they still, they, they still make wisecracks and stuff, but they do look a little tougher, and it looks like it might be a bit more violent. And Warner Brothers Animation, those DC, they pump out those cartoon movies all the time, and yeah. I'm always curious about them. Never actually check them out, but this one has me interested enough that I might have a peek. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video, a trio of family-friendly films that were all deemed very good. I saw two of them. Might see a third. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. The news is out. USA Today calls Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse the year's best movie. Ah! Teenagers, just the worst. Let's go. An astonishing shot of cinematic adrenaline. Who are you? I'm the one and only Spider-Woman. Very cool. The Los Angeles Times says it's sweet, (sighs) irreverent, and daring. We taught him that, right? You definitely didn't teach him that. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Only in theaters December 14th. Brett McGarry, Jeff Brown, we are the Couch Potatoes having a look at what's coming to home video. And as we just heard, what was that? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the Oscar winner for Best Animated Feature. And it comes home to DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday. Did you see it? I did not see it. You, you really liked it, eh? I did, yeah. It was a ton of fun. The animation style was really cool. Which is funny because I read one review where the critic was saying... I, I thought this was a mistake. I went and actually talked to the Sony rep and said, what's wrong with your film? The transfer is clearly not working because the animation's all herky-jerky. This can't possibly be the finished product. Ha! And they said, no, that's it, dude. Ugh. And it was by design. It was a slightly herky-jerky. But it worked. It was... I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. I thought the climactic final scene went on too long. It was okay. just like... It was too much. It was hmm. kind of crazy. When you, if you see it, you'll understand. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought the uh, the portrayal of Peter Parker 1.0, which is uh, you, in the beginning of the movie, one of the best versions of Peter Parker I've ever seen on the big screen. And it just captured the the spirit of Spider Man as well as any of the movies, if not better. Are you going to buy it? I think I might. Good, then you can lend it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I might pick this one up, too, when it comes out uh, Blu-ray DVD, or I could rent it right now on digital HD. You know, beat music can help you say what you're feeling. Try this. You must protect Earth and its people. You got I know the music kind of went on a little long there, but I, I just wanted to play that because <laughs> I love that song. And so that's a 1997 version, from what I understand, of The Touch by Stan Bush, which was first featured in Transformers the Movie 1986. You were shockingly excited for this film. They had a very good trailer at the beginning. Or te- was it the teaser trailer or trailer one? Whatever. It's uh, it's the Bumblebee movie, of course. And yeah, I, I didn't end up actually going to see it, but I was very impressed with the trailer. 
Yeah. And it was good, huh? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it took me a few weeks to go see it, but when I did go see it, I just had so much fun. It kind of, it was repetitive in some respects where you see Bumblebee kind of clumsying around a house and he's breaking things. And they've already done that in the yeah. Transformers movies, but this is the first Transformers movie that actually felt like it captured what the previous five films mostly failed to do. I, I still like that first Transformers movie and I like parts of the third movie, but the fourth and fifth ones were just dreadful. But this one, they nailed the look. They're not too complicated. You can actually follow the action, really? which I know was one of your complaints. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh, what have I like turned into my father or something like this? Like, I, I don't understand what's happening on this screen. It just looked like a giant mishmash of metal. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I had jumped of, I, after the second one. I was like, no, nah, we're done with Transformers, but I will definitely uh, check out Bumblebee at some point. And it is going to actually serve as a reboot for the Transformers movie, so Not thank nice. God for that. One more on DVD, Blu-ray, and on demand. What's that? Mary Poppins Returns. The return of Mary Poppins. Uh, I, everyone I know that saw it said they enjoyed it. So if you didn't see it, but you think you might like it, uh, you probably will. So I haven't seen Mary Poppins proper since I was a kid. Yeah, me neither. I should get around to that. I wonder how much, how many callback jokes we'd have to, you know what I mean? It's like, do you, should you go watch the old one first and so you know what's up in the second one? Who knows? We'll tell you what's up with Captain Marvel next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. This week, I checked out the latest from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Brie Larson stars in Captain Marvel. So, scrolls are the bad guys. And you're a Kree, a race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. It arrived just in time for International Women's Day last week, the first movie in the MCU with a female lead. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. The people behind these movies say Captain Marvel is the most powerful hero in the MCU. She's the one Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury paged at the end of Avengers Infinity War before he turned to dust. Who is Captain Marvel? Well, her name is Carol Danvers, former pilot in the U.S. Air Force. She ends up in space and gets taken in by a race called the Kree. She's given cosmic power. She's got strength, speed, she can fly, and fire energy blasts from her hands. In other words... She's pretty cool. I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. Not going to bother getting into the details of the plot, except for Earth ends up in the middle of an intergalactic war between the Kree and the Skrulls. It's set in the 90s, so it's a prequel of sorts, introducing us to the character before she helps to save the day in Avengers Endgame, when that arrives April 26th. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. 
Captain Marvel opened with a $153 million domestic take, making one of the biggest debuts for a new character for Marvel. Black Panther had a bigger one with $202 million last year. Globally, it earned $455 million. That makes it the biggest debut weekend for a movie with a female lead ever, surpassing 2017's Beauty and the Beast, which had a $357 million opening. With the critics, it's doing all right, 79%, so not Marvel's best effort. I was curious where I would land on this because I was excited about the movie when I realized at the end, like when Fury sent that page, right. I thought, I know that logo, but I don't know why. Yeah. So when I did my research and realized it was Captain Marvel, I got excited because it's about time that they do a movie with a female lead, especially a character who's so powerful. She's just like, her powers are cool. But then when I saw the first trailer, it, I just, I wasn't jazzed about it. And then I saw the second trailer and still I wasn't super jazzed about it. One of my buddies who's a huge Marvel fan went to see the movie before I did. And he said he hated it. Worst Marvel movie ever. Another buddy who's huh. also a huge Marvel fan said he loved it. So did you get them in a fight? I should have. <laughs> I ended up liking it. I did not love it. No. So what I didn't like about it, yep. there's a lot of complicated plot to get through. Lots of twists and turns, and it just often felt clunky. I don't mind a story with lots of exposition and lots of plot. The Mission Impossible movies, for example, have lots of plot typically to get through, but they do it in a fun way. It's never clunky in those movies. Yeah. And this movie had some decent action, but I was hoping for more. You know, when you tout the character as the most powerful in the MCU, I expect to see a lot of that. But it's her origin story, so we don't get to see the full power on display until the end of the movie. And the character was, quite frankly, kind of boring. I think that was partly the intent, because she's this Cree warrior, and they're all kind of cold and clinical, think with your head, not your heart kind of stuff. But Larson's performance just came off as stiff. She did loosen up as the movie went along, as her character remembers her humanity. But in the meantime, it was hard to get emotionally invested in this character, because her backstory was just so mysterious. There's a lot to like, though. Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury, a younger Nick Fury, with hair and a younger face that cg youth treatment they've got going on in this movie is flawless it was just cool to see him He's, his character was looser he was cracking jokes wasn't so tense and we also see him with two eyes <gasps> nick fury only has one eye remember yeah we see him with two eyes and yes we learn uh -oh. how he gets down to one eye uh -oh. and it is it's... not at all what you expected is it like hot tub time machine is it like a running joke throughout the movie where you keep waiting for it to happen and then it doesn't happen they, it, I think it, there, there was one incident where they made it look like that was going to be it, yeah. and then it turned out not to be. Or like with Locke on Lost, because he ends up in the wheelchair, yeah. and then in all the flashbacks, he's not in the wheelchair. And you're like, well, how, well, how when did he end up in the wheelchair? And he keeps, I saw him like in a VW bug, and it's like, those things are death traps if you get in an accident. <laughs> it's got to be that. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. It's fun, though, when, when it is ultimately revealed. We also have in the supporting cast, Annette Benning is in there. You heard her voice in the audio. We've got a younger Agent Coulson. Right on. And we have Ben Mendelsohn as the bad guy. Of course. He was the bad guy in Star Wars Rogue One. Yep. Ready Player One. Yep. Robin Hood, last yep. year's stinker. He was, you mentioned Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, he was uh, a Bane henchman. Yeah. And now Captain Marvel. Although, all I will say is that this character has 
more layers than we're used to from Ben Mendelsohn, so that was fun. Not that I have anything wrong with Ben Mendelsohn yeah. playing the bad guy. I was just going to say, to be fair, he's a very good bad guy. That's yeah. why he keeps getting cast as the bad guy. He is excellent as a bad guy. And there's also a cute cat named Goose, oh. who's a bit of a secret weapon. Mm-hmm. So be sure to stick around to the end of the credits for the continued adventures of Goose. And the movie has some tie-ins to Guardians of the Galaxy. Your buddy Jeff, what's his name? Lee Page, I think is the actor's name, returns oh. as Ronan the Accuser. From the show where he made pies or whatever? Uh, Pushing Daisies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said, and he was also the elf king in the Hobbit movies. Right. You said he was super boring. Yeah. Uh, I seem to remember you. Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Pardon me. Thank you. I knew Lee Page was wrong, and that's why I figured I should ask you. Jamin Hansu is back. He was the guy from the beginning of Guardians who didn't know who Star-Lord was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he says, I'm Star-Lord. Who? (laughs) So he plays that guy. And then finally, there's a great mid-credit scene that ties the movie directly into Avengers Endgame. So I am super pumped for that movie. Cool. Great visuals in Captain Marvel. I wish I had seen it in 3D because there's lots of space stuff that would have looked cool in 3D. I find that uh, anything with space stuff or anything that has lots of animation, so when they're on the Kree planet and everything is CG, I think that would have looked great, but I didn't didn't end up seeing it in 3D. That's not a make or break, and I know a lot of people... That's totally subjective. I like the 3D. You're not a huge fan. I, I opt to not see things in 3D, but I don't like lose my mind if I have to see something in 3D. 3D. I usually, it's one for me. It's one of those things where after 20 minutes, I usually just forget that it's in 3D. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I see a movie that's 3D, I often find my I find myself forgetting as well, and then I'll think, "Ooh, that looks neat." Yeah, because it's in 3D. So yeah, ultimately, I didn't love this movie, but I think it is great that there is a female superhero who is this powerful. It's a character that little girls can look up to. That is cool. But uh, I'm rating this as someone who's just been a big fan of the MCU since it started back in 2008 with Iron Man. And I would say this film is one of Marvel's lesser efforts. So I'll give it three and a half couch cushions out of five. Also worth noting, there were a lot of trolls who tried to bring this movie down. That blows my mind. It's... I. Don't understand society sometimes. If you go on YouTube, you'll see videos, like countless videos. One of them is called Brie Larson is Ruining Marvel. Now, they're mad because last year she made a comment about how she doesn't care what a 40-year-old white man thinks about a wrinkle in time. And she's kind of stuck to her guns on pushing through or pushing through the, the press tour. You know, yeah. she, she's not just pushing for diversity in film, but diversity in the press. You know, the people who review the movies. So I guess some angry white guys didn't like that and they call her a racist and whatever the trolls even took to rotten tomatoes and they brought the down the want to see score to 28 percent. so rotten tomatoes has actually gotten rid of that score altogether and to be fair i should point out i'm a 41 year old white guy and i would say my opinion especially in this movie does matter not because I'm white, but because I'm a fan of the Marvel movies. It doesn't matter how old you are, what race you are, what gender you are. If you've been with these movies since the beginning, your opinion matters. However, I didn't care about anything she said that has been perceived as negative by some. All I care about is if the movie's good. And yeah, it's good, but just not great. But you know what Marvel in general is good at is course correcting when things aren't great. Yeah. So if this one's a three and a half or out of five, they'll they'll know what you know what people didn't like or what was missing or what needs to be cut or whatever. And then, then Captain Marvel two will probably be much better because outside of 
Iron Man 2 and to some Thor 2, the sequels have generally been as good or better than the first ones. Yeah, that's true. And I think, too, with this one, maybe it could also just be because it's the final piece of the puzzle before Avengers. So maybe there's just a uh, some impatience on my part because I'm just yeah. like, let's just get on with it. I want to get to the main course. I want to get to the main event. And as well, there was a lot of clunky space stuff which has been handled very well. Like Guardians of the Galaxy could have been a total disaster. Yeah. Uh, in meeting all these new characters, going to all these different worlds, and it's hard to not get buried in the sci-fi aspect of that. In this one, I don't think they quite succeeded because Guardians was just straight-up fun. Like, that was so fun. Right. And uh, then Thor Ragnarok managed to be super fun as well. <laughs> so this one, it didn't quite have that same fun energy, but still cool. Captain Marvel is a uh, cool hero, and I'm anxious to see what she brings to the Avengers, particularly with all of her various cosmic abilities. Could they be as power, powerful enough to defeat Thanos? I guess we'll find out next I w- month. I would hope so. It's the sequel, so it should have an ending to it, finally. It would be funny, though, if, Mar- if Marvel Thanos <laughs> just, just killed them all and said, ha, huh, gotcha, we're canceling all the sequels. No more we Marvel. We didn't make a second Spider-Man movie. We just made the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, I'm curious to know what movie Jeff watch that's 15 years old find out next you're listening to the couch potatoes welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett and from the file of things movies i should have seen by now but never did until this week i watched a movie from 2004 this week you've probably seen it it's called the notebook it was a magical summer noah was a country boy ali was from the city they met the night of the carnival They had nothing in common, but after seeing Allie that night, something inside Noah snapped. Will you go out with me? No! No? Ah! Damn, my head's slipping. Okay, fine, I'll go out with you. No, don't do me any favors. No, I want to! Say it again. I want to go out with you! All right, all right, we'll go out. (sighs) They fell in love, didn't they? Yes, they did. You want to dance with me? Sure. This is a good story. I think I've heard it before. It's like a dream. For starters, that's the theme from the Cider House Rules. They stole it for the Notebook trailer. And it's just uh, things like that that drive me nuts. Wow. I was watching trailers like, why do I know this music? And I was like, that's a Cider House theme. Oh, my goodness. Uh, This movie got 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. The uh, general consensus saying, quote, it's hard not to admire its unabashed sentimentality, but the notebook is too clumsily manipulative to rise above its melodramatic cliches. It made $115 million worldwide, $81 million in North America on a $29 million budget. And I think that is the reason why every Nicholas Sparks novel, of which this is based on, gets made into a movie movie at this point. It stars Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams and James Garner and Jenna Rollins, directed by Nick Cassavetes. Have you ever seen this movie? I actually have not. Yeah, see? Don't. Okay. <laughs> wow. I knew going in that... Uh, spoilers ahead for The Notebook, by the way. I knew going in that the old people were the young people just years later. And much to my relief, actually, the crux of this movie was not revealing that fact at the very end. They copped to it about midway through, and you'd have to be pretty dim not to have figured it out by then. Now, there's no way that old man Gosling will look anything like old man James Garner did, but the mcadams Rollins thing I thought really worked. The story being that Rollins has dementia and lives in a personal care home. Garner's there too, and he reads to her a story from The Notebook about two kids falling in love. 
She doesn't know it's their life story because of the dementia. She has a moment of clarity near the end, and I cried, which was the fourth time I cried during this movie. Uh, then they both die in their sleep at the exact same time, and I rolled my eyes. That was one move too far for me. Frankly, a lot of the movie was either boring or the dialogue was just too cringy. There were a few wrinkles along the way that I did enjoy, like how they broke up for several years in the middle. The story itself I thought was pretty good. The performance is also good, often in spite of the material they had to work with. You can tell when you're watching it that McAdams and Gosling are destined for better things. Remember when this movie came out, we hadn't seen them in anything. Uh, but the movie has achieved the status that it has is kind of beyond me. It's over two hours long, which is about 20 minutes too long. It is watchable, and it's probably the best Nicholas Spark movie because, I mean, we used to, we've ragged on him for years because most of those movies look just god-awful. I don't think I'll return to The Notebook, though. I'll give it a two and a half Coach Cushions out of five. Oh, and don't forget Mean Girls. Rachel McAdams appeared in Mean Girls that two months before? before The Notebook. I gotta put that on my list because I haven't seen that one either. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, she was tremendous in that one. One of my buddies, uh, my buddy Burkus, hates this movie, The Notebook, and I can't remember what it is, but I think he gets <laughs> mad. He's like, she she basically cheats on her on her real husband to go back to this this yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Oh, don't let him watch the English patient thing, because that's all that movie's about. Well, that movie just sounds like boredom and sheer boredom anyway. I wouldn't want anybody to watch hey, that. Hey, at least people get shot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of mo- people who get shot, I watched a movie not quite as old as The Notebook, but it's a few months old now. Peppermint. Oh. Hi, I have questions for you. You're not busy, are you? Ooh, Barracuda. I just saw our family get murdered. That guy's a good at balked. She's back. Remember me? Drug dealers. Corrupt judges. I will pay live in one of you. And then I'll pretty much wing it from there. Peppermint, Reddit R, September 7th. So that's the Jennifer Garner movie that came out last yeah. fall. And I was excited to see it because I love Jennifer Garner in... Well, I like her in anything, but I like her especially when she's doing action stuff. So it was cool to see her all jacked up again and beating people up and shooting guns and killing people. <laughs> and uh, I, it, when I saw it got bad reviews, I was sad. Yeah. And when I watched it, I enjoyed it, but it was just like as a passable sort of mindless revenge film. It was very run-of-the-mill, nothing memorable about it, instantly forgettable. Some good action scenes, but you're on your phone the rest of the time kind of deal. It was a, yeah, it was a free renter on demand on my PVR, so I figured, why not? I'll check it out. I was hoping that I would enjoy it more. I didn't hate it, though, so I guess that's a win. Yeah. I didn't, like, dislike it. I the just... notebook of Jennifer Aniston, or Jennifer Garner movies. So there we go. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. If you're listening to this on the radio, make sure you subscribe to this on the podcast. You can get it wherever you find podcasts and remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother